Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your owner and host, Justin Jackson. And this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NFL as we move into week three. We will have our Jacks Pack, which is our NFL betting segment. And of course, we'll have our best for last, or our rebranded best for last, rather, Jacks Hot Take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow and turn on your post notifications for Justin Time Sports social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Threads, TikTok, all of your favorite social medias. Justin Time Sports has a prominent presence on all of them. And therefore, you guys should follow and give those a uh, post notification turn on. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Episode 26 of season four of the Justin Time Justin Time Sports Podcast. Rather, as always, it is your host and owner, uh, Justin Jackson, welcoming you into a Wednesday morning show. Recording this Tuesday now, of course, with our new schedule. But by the time you guys hear this, it'll be Wednesday morning. So, welcoming you into our Wednesday morning show. I hope you guys have had a great week uh, so far. Hope you guys are kicking butt at work. I hope your teams didn't disappoint you too badly over the weekend, or at least I hope you have hope going into this coming weekend. Uh, I guess it's probably the best that some of us <laughs> can ask for is to have hope going into our uh, next weekend. Shout out my European friends, as always, uh, especially my people in Germany and France. Uh, shout out my Southeast Asian fans as well. And of course, shout out to you guys, the home base, um, always represented, holding it down for Justin Time Sports. Um, again, we want to really run that social media up. So if you listen to the show faithfully, I thank you. Uh, but if you're not following the social media pages to keep you guys updated on notes and news, uh, definitely make sure you follow the social media handle at JTime Sports. It is on all your favorite social medias, X, Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok, and Threads. Uh, Justin Time Sports is on there officially. Me uh, posting news and updates and highlights, etc. Um, so if you love the podcast and you want to get a daily update, um, not really have to wait till every week to get a mass update. There's some minor stuff I may have missed, some stuff I may have not even uh, discussed about, um, some stuff I may just not deem fit in the show well. Um, it'll definitely be on that so you can get the news aspect and hear my opinion on the podcast. But what a very interesting week two in the NFL. Um, it's weird in the NFL. I was uh, telling my wife this actually. We were watching the game, and I was like, uh, man, the NFL's going to have to stop doing that. She kind of looked at me weird because one of the ones where I say half a thought in my head and then the rest of it comes out loud. And I was saying, man, the NFL's going to have to stop doing that. Um, they're going to have to stop playing that guys in the preseason because offenses look awful. They look god awful. And some bigger name quarterbacks look downright deplorable. Um, it's actually so bad that the first segment of the show is going to be um, there was a Young Money song, uh, Wayne, Nicki Minaj, and Birdman. Uh, What's wrong with them? Um, and that's the name of this segment. What's wrong with them? I mean, there's so much 
elite level quarterbacks or people we think that are elite that look downright awful in the first two games. Um, especially, or maybe they were elite adjacent, or maybe they've had elite peaks, and again, they just look downright awful. And a lot of these guys either didn't play the preseason or played very limited snaps in the preseason. And, you know, the, the big wave in the NFL now is during practice. It's been that way for the past few years, especially after the Rams basically had no preseason. And when we won the Super Bowl, a lot of different people decided, oh, we're going to run these joint practices, which it's a controlled setting. It's effectively a live scrimmage. And they figured my ones go against your ones for 30 plays or 20 plays, whatever. Um, that's about how long they would play in the preseason. So what's the difference? And to me, the difference is in practice, there's a script. Like, regardless of what happens, um, you know, if you run a pass on first on the first play of the script, that pass can be a 50-yard touchdown. That pass can be, you know, whatever. You're gonna if if the script says it's gonna be inside zone to the left on play two, you're gonna run inside zone to the left on play two. You know what I'm saying? So there's no rhyme or reason. If you're the defense, you pretty much You'll try coverages with no real reason to attempt them. So you may get lucky and get a clean blitz sack, or you may give up three vertical routes wide open. The quarterback just picks one. You know, so it's a, it's a little different in joint practices because, again, it's very coach-controlled. It's very script-based. There's no real ebb and flow. Now, the preseason isn't the world's best diagnostic either, as you can tell from Pittsburgh offense. Um, and we'll talk about them a little later. But the preseason isn't the world's best diagnostic either. I believe, if I'm serving it correctly, the 0-16 Lions went 4-0 in the preseason. Uh, the Ravens haven't lost a preseason game in like six years. Um, so the preseason isn't the world's best diagnostic test, but it has a little bit more rhyme or reason to the play selection. So now if it's first or second and 20, you're not going to run dive left. You know what I'm saying? Just because it's on the script. Um... You may throw a screen pass like that, but you're not just going to hand the ball over the middle and then throw uh, deep crosses on third and 22 just because, again, the script says the play you're supposed to run. Um, so it's a little bit better for um, teams, to my opinion, to work in the preseason, to work in the preseason games. During practices are great, right? But I don't think we're properly preparing our offensive lines. I don't think we're properly preparing our quarterbacks, especially with quarterback movement being a thing now. It's not like quarterbacks were there five, six, seven years, basically the same group of guys. Okay, I don't necessarily need to go into a game for 12 snaps and throw you 10 passes and be like, okay, now I got it. Like, no. This is the same group of receivers and the same quarterback five, six, seven years. So they know each other at the back of their hands. There's no real um, necessity in order to um, play in the preseason and to battle potential injury. However, now with quarterback movement, like I said, Brady moved first, um, really and truly, to Tampa. And then Stafford goes to L.A. And then Ronald Rodgers is in New York. Derek Carr is in New Orleans. Uh, Baker Mayfield is in Tampa. You know, you got uh, Russell Wilson last year in Denver. Uh, you got a lot of QB movement. Deshaun Watson really getting a first offseason in Cleveland. Um... A lot of quarterback movement as of late. Uh, and so now, to me, preseason games become even more valuable. 
because now you get the opportunity to play at game speed. You get the opportunity to play in a non-controlled environment. There's some semblance of play calling, uh, logic or rationale. Even if it's not a, a massive playbook, there's some logic or rationale in the play calling. Um, and so you get to play situational football without, you know, saying, okay, for the next 10 plays, we're going to be in the two-minute drive. Even if you do a two-minute job into my practice, is the QB can't get hit. There's just a bunch of other stuff that's happening here. I and mean, also that quarterback sense security goes away too. When you walk, when you work in a practice, everyone on the planet knows don't hit the quarterback. Hit the quarterback, you probably get cut, right? Operating in that sense of security means that I can throw the ball with the deep with the defensive tackle, barreling right on me because I know he can't hit me. Um, there's a certain level of freedom that QBs play with in camp. They don't play with in the regular season because people can literally clean their clocks. So they do their best to not play uh, the same way. But anyway, uh, I digress. Back to our first uh, topic, which is what's wrong with them. Uh, Sought for Joe Burrow. So this is a question that should be asked, but also should be answered. This is calf. Uh, we spoke about a couple minutes ago, we spoke about how the preseason for all these new quarterbacks um, is so valuable. But I feel like all young quarterbacks should play in the preseason anyway. Um, and that's, you know, Joe Burrow trying to experience the offensive line versus live bullets. And of course, his first game action with that calf to see how it would respond, how it would deal. Now, he wasn't really even cleared to play until right before week one. I think he began aggravating it then. And then whatever he did in the last game uh, took it over the top. And so, there's a potential he misses some games. Um, absolutely awful if that is the case. However, however, they pulled off a minor miracle last year in terms of how they started off and then they ran through and made the playoffs. I think 10 wins may end up winning that division. Because once the division start cannibalizing each other, uh, they're not going to be able to hold those pristine records. So, I think 10 wins may win that division. I think 11, 11 definitely wins that division. But Joe Burrow has an opportunity here to take a week off to try and rest as much as humanly possible and um, come back ready for the last, you know, three, four months of the season um, because he wouldn't have thrown it away trying to win one game. Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Cleveland Browns looks absolutely cooked. Um, yeah, it's pretty rough. It's he's the worst aging quarterback in the league in terms of a consistent thought of making big money. Because at least in the case of Aaron Rodgers, he was 40, 39, 40. He started his decline at age 38, 39. Um, and then you get to your age 40 season and the Achilles goes. Okay, it happens, right? There's another guy on the list we're going to talk about in a few minutes. People are going to say, well, what about Russell Wilson? We'll talk about Russell Wilson, too. What compounds Deshaun Watson is what you had to give to get him. The Cleveland Browns still owe the Houston Texans a first-round pick. Still. Which is why Houston was so comfortable moving their first-round pick this draft to get Will Anderson last draft because they were after... They knew they had another first-round pick coming from Deshaun Watson. So, instead of two first-round picks, they have one first-round pick, no biggie. And they go up and get a guy they knew they wanted in Will Anderson. Again, no biggie. 
Now, I think Houston picks end up being top three. And they could have had a Taylor Caleb Williams. Who knows how that conversation breaks down? Or Marvin Harrison Jr. Who knows how that conversation ends? But regardless, again, no biggie. Cleveland still owes Houston a first-round pick. When Deshaun Watson showed up without playing a year of football with 24 sexual misconduct allegations, he signed for five years $230 million. Over the next four seasons, the Cleveland Browns owe him $200 million. His cap hits. Oh, and he has automatic bonuses in there. So he has $46 million in base salary every year the next three years. And he also has a $16 million like bonus, prorated bonus, every year the next three, six, uh, every year the next three to four years. So because his deal is fully guaranteed, if you were to say let's cut him after this season, his cap hit, his dead cap would be $200 million. If you want to cut him the year after that, his dead cap hit is $132 million. If you want to cut him the year after that, his dead cap hit is like $60 million. So basically, he's effectively uncuttable. Um, he has Cleveland completely over the barrel as far as financial power. Um, his cap hits are 60 some odd million dollars a year over the next three to four years. Uh, now the cap will rise, so that will give it a little grace. But absolutely painful uh, was Deshaun Watson going through. I mean, some of the throws he's making, I'm just looking and going, what, who, who is he, who is he throwing the ball to? I mean, legitimately questioning who's he throwing the ball to because it couldn't have been the person in the same color as him because the person in the same color as him is a ways away from where the ball ended up, right? And so uh, Deshaun's one of those quarterbacks that just doesn't look like himself. Like I say, he looks absolutely, I had to say it, but he looks cooked. He looks like he's done. Um, And I don't know if he can get it back. You know, fans of his, I know a few of them. Oh, when Deshaun gets it back, he'll be top two again, top three again. People forget what Deshaun was before he had to, before he set out. No, we remember. We definitely remember. But I just don't think he's going to get it back. Quarterback is in a position you can sit out for a year, year and a half, and come back and like perfectly normal. Like perfectly normal. Uh, I just don't think he shakes it back. He has all the talent in the world. In his body and next to him, as far as the team, and I just don't think he shakes it back, um, which is sad. Because again, Deshaun Watson, before these allegations, was top two or three quarterback in the NFL easily, doing case for him being the best. And then he said, forced to take a year sabbatical, comes back, and he's just not the same. And he has Cleveland completely over the barrel. So, one thing Cleveland Browns fans can say is he's got four years to figure it out because he's not going anywhere in the next four years, but. He definitely limits Cleveland's ability to build around him, and it hurts him uh, to me overall, legacy-wise. Trevor Lawrence, don't know what happened to him. He looks a lot more like four pick in the first half, Trevor Lawrence, than lead the comeback. Um, lead the comeback at um, in the playoff game in the game he threw the four picks in. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he looks more like Jester than Prince. I, I don't get it. What's going on with Trevor right now? Schematically, they look a little off. Maybe that could be it. Uh, but I just don't think Trevor Lawrence looks like the quarterback he was supposed to be this season. Uh, again, people expected more of that last seven games leading into the playoffs. First playoff game, kind of success. Then they get in the second half of that second playoff game. The 
first half of the playoff game, he was absolutely awful. He's at four interceptions. They were down, I think, 28-0, 24-0, something like that. Um, he drives, and he gets them all the way back, and they're winning the game. Um, and so that's kind of stuff. People were kind of expecting Trevor Lawrence to use this year, like kind of um, bouncing off of that uh, momentum, launching upwards to try and climb the career ladder. Um, so incredibly, incredibly uh, worried about Trevor Lawrence's performance this year because it just doesn't look like the quarterback we saw over the last seven to eight weeks of last season. Justin Fields, everyone's dark horse uh, MVP pick. Um, th- that horse is dead, by the way. Um, secondly, I think his career in Chicago is dead. And I wouldn't be surprised if the entire NFL just says we've seen enough. CJ Stroud has more career pass, 300-yard passing games than um, Justin Fields. This is Justin Fields, I believe, fourth year starting in Jacksonville. CJ Stroud, starting in Chicago, rather. CJ Stroud played two football games total in the NFL. So I think that's a huge problem because in today's NFL, you need to be able to go sideline to sideline and really stress the field out. Um, and there's too many layups in that equation that feels just flat out misses. I won't slander him and say he's throwing with his eyes closed because I, I, I've kind of, I've kind of been hearing that joke is that Fields must throw with his eyes closed. I won't dare give him that. But some of the vision mistakes, some of the protection errors, stuff like that, he's just, he's just making, um, he's just making it harder on him to overcome an already subpar roster. Um, and the GM is doing his absolute best to clean up that mess the last GM did, but um, they're going to have to do something about the quarterback position. I just, they need to figure it out. And last but certainly not least, Russell Wilson is having, having a bit of a career resurgence in Denver under Sean Payton. Um, points per drive, they're like tops or second highest in the league. Uh, they're scoring pretty much every time they get the ball. They're just having difficulties once they get close Um to the goal line, like they just have difficulties. I think the field condenses a little bit. There's a lot less space. Russell Wilson didn't have the absolute rocket arm he used to possess, and so I think that that is running into some issues with um, Russell Wilson uh, right now. Just he's playing his absolute best, but there's just some stuff happening around the organization, especially on the defensive side, that has to get rectified if Russell's supposed to have any chance of leading this team anywhere. I don't think the playoffs are a possibility, maybe not this year, but I think that the Broncos are at least taking a step in the right direction. We had a couple of shifting gears from that. We had a couple of top uh, running backs go down with injuries um, this week. So, first off, we had, I guess, God, I go with the least gruesome. We had uh, Saquon Barkley dealing with sort of hamstring issue. Um, he'll be out a few weeks, but then who will be able to? Um, well, okay, I said a few weeks, but that's not like he's a fast healer and could play the uh, Thursday night. I wouldn't. I would definitely give it at least like, give it at least a week um, in order to try and heal itself before you play on another Sunday. So if you miss Thursday, you have another whole week to get to the Sunday in order to get ready to play. Um, so absolute um, kudos to Saquon Barkley. 
in a jazz organization. Like I said, I, I sit them down for at least a week, minimum. It could be up to three weeks, and we're talking about a hamstring here. And one of the more fickle things in the human body, between that and the Achilles, one of the two most fickle things in the human body. And of course, uh, I posted on my social medias with the label warning, um, but um, Nick Chubb was hit directly in the knee by Minka Fitzpatrick, and it caused one of the most disgusting injuries I have seen in a knee in a very, very long time. Um, If you want to see it, it's on all my socials. It's just an incredibly, um, incredibly impactful player. Um, I mean, Cleveland's offense does not exist if Nick Chubb is not running the ball and running the ball well. So, um, just like that, wow. Uh, there's stuff going around like Minka, a dirty player. He's not a dirty player. Is it unfortunate what happened to um, Nick Chubb? Absolutely. Is it unfortunate that that happens more than people would like? Absolutely. But you can't go high, and so only to bring a guy like Nick Chubb down is to go low. And Chubb just happened to plant his knee, plant his leg, and they met at the same time. Normally, in a situation where you know, a guy gets hit in the knee, his knee's off the ground. And so he's able to kind of like push that into the realm um, of like pain tolerance. But with the knee planted, it had nowhere to go. And so the joint just gave in on itself. Um, it's a pretty disgusting uh, injury. But I say if you want to check it out, it's on all my socials. Praise of the Chubb. It's the same knee. He completely blew up at Georgia. Um, and so I'm just hoping that it does not affect him long term. He is able to come back to the running back we know and love. This is a couple of quick hitters. I have two seconds. I call it the worst lo- worst winners and the best losers. The worst winners, again, were the Giants. You played an awful football game, and you lost Saquon Barkley. was having to win, so I guess kudos to you. Uh, the Saints, in general, they did not look all that great. Uh, that offense needs a lot of buffing and polishing. As I was saying, preseason games, it's time for you to buff and polish a brand new anything, and uh, they're going to have to buff and polish on the fly. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers won a football game in which the fourth quarter they had negative seven yards. Uh, I, I just won't even give you credit for that uh, offensively. That is absolutely awful. And then the best losers, uh, Los Angeles Rams. They look really good. Puka Nakoa uh, with the most receptions in the first uh, two weeks of the season. Now he's playing Cooper Cup spot, but I'm just let that rock. Um, the Green Bay Packers, for the second week in a row, looked good offensively under Jordan Love. Um, he needs to continue to work on himself via film. Um, but for the most part, the Packers look fine without Aaron Rodgers. When people are worried about a precipitative drop-off uh, in the offensive flow, going from Rodgers to Love, I haven't noticed any. Um, pretty much as long as the offense operates as it should around Love, they work perfectly fine. I haven't seen any major drop off, any precipitative change, you know, real attitudes blowing up. Uh, none of the stuff you usually would get from a team in turmoil or uh, in some sort of big switch. And then lastly, in the best losers list, we got the Los Angeles Chargers, everyone's favorite losers. Um, they actually did something that was not done in the history of the NFL this time in their in, in their in their loser realness. Um, see if I can find a photo. Should I have this photo up already? My apologies. Um, the Chargers have scored 58 points. Zero turnovers in our 0-2. 
uh, in the Super Bowl era, 32 other teams have scored at least 50 points while committing no turnovers in the first two games. The 2023-2024 Chargers are the only ones to be winless. Um, so, I think Brandon Staley cannot be allowed to ruin this roster and to hurt the prime of this quarterback further. I think he needs to be fired. It's, it's coming up offseason, in the offseason. Um, it's, it's just... The Chargers feel like they have a permanent black cat rolling around there. I mean, the way they lose games, it's not going to say people are inventing ways to do stuff dumb. They invent ways to lose football games. I think Brandon Staley has to go. There's no way he makes it all the way through the year, through the offseason, into next season. There's literally no way. He's absolutely awful, and he's dragging down the Chargers organization, along with the other issues they have as far as management, ownership, and other stuff the Chargers have going on. Um, but Brandon Staley is an easy fix. It's awful. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm kicking myself because I probably could have waited a year. And instead of getting descending, Russell Wilson on a massive contract, you could have got ascending Justin Herbert in Los Angeles instead of Denver. Um, in doing that out, so many positives would have been on the Chargers side instead of the uh, instead of the Broncos side. Sorry. But up next, we're going to talk about week, NFL Week 3 coming up and talk about our favorite storylines going into it. some of our favorite games and along with our major storylines heading into week three so of course we talked about some injury news um we're going to touch right back on that really quickly uh nick chubb of course expect to be out for the season with a complete total knee destruction i would honestly be surprised if anything stayed intact in his knee um that was absolutely rough and like i said that was a knee that was already put to put back together once um and so the same exact knee getting put back together again. I don't know. But we're definitely going to see and keep our eye on Nick Chubb's recovery. Um, but he's out indefinitely with at least the year. Uh, like I said, Saquon Barkley could be no games missed, three games missed, um, depending on how fast he heals. According to his team, uh, Carolina Panthers linebacker Shaq Thompson has a broken fibula. Um, he is out for the rest of the season as well. But on some positive news, um, Patrick Mahomes had a restructuring of his contract. Um, and the deal does not add years. It does not add money. Um, it simply brings his yearly salary in line with the rest of um, the quarterbacks in his ilk, in his talent level. Um, that is all it is doing is bringing it in line with the rest of the quarterbacks. Um, and so, Patrick Mahomes' deal, again, one second, trying to pull it up. I posted all about it, and now I can't find it. Um, wait, oh, found it. All right, so Patrick Mahomes' uh, restructure of his contract, again, added no new money and added no new years. Uh, but it moved... Uh, $210.6 million 
of guaranteed money uh, into the next four years. So between 2023 and 2026, he has 210.6 million guaranteed dollars coming his way uh, with, and it can go up to $218.1 million with incentives. Uh, the 210.6 is the most over four years in NFL history. Uh, the remainder of the contract after 2026 is effectively removed and the team will renegotiate after 2026. They'll tear up whatever years are left and make a whole new contract. Uh, but again, it brings Patrick back into line with um, the remain the other quarterbacks in the league. Now, what makes it interesting is, what makes this deal quite interesting is, because they didn't add years or add money, his cap hits don't change. It's actually a beautiful deal done by the Kansas City team. It's not like they lopped off three years and moved all the money up and cap hits started going crazy. His cap hit doesn't change because according to the system, those years still exist. Now, they're effectively null and void, but they still exist and he can pull any of his money over those years as well to try and reduce his cap hit. So, um, major, major shout out uh, to Patrick Mahomes and his agency for getting that done. But one of the more interesting games of the week, and we won't pick it because it's, our, it's in our Jacks pack. A lot of these games are actually in our Jacks pack. Um, but Pats versus Jets. Uh, both teams are 0-2 for totally different reasons. Uh, the Patriots seem to not have a downfield offense. Uh, Mac Jones had 31 completions for 200 yards in the last game, which is almost impossible. Um, and then, of course, the Jets have Zach Wilson. So that is one of the more interesting games that is happening this weekend because of the highs of, let's say, the Patriots and the Jets defense and then the lows of their offense. Especially if you're a Jets fan, you went from Jeremy of Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl to Zach Wilson, oh no's, um, within an hour of each other. I mean, that's, that's just the life you live if you're the Jets right now. Uh, I know Robert Sala blew smoke of Zach Wilson saying that, oh, he's um, he, he he's the guy. We're going to bring in a young guy, and I want to be clear that this is Zach's team. And great. He did an excellent job blowing smoke. Um, but he's just, he's bad. He's awful um, at the quarterback position, and he's dragging that roster down. As a Patriots fan, I appreciate it. I know even if Mac Jones struggles, Zach Wilson's going to be worse. And he's going to be considerably worse. And we just have to take an opportunity to intercept the passes uh, that come our way. But, you know, and by our, I mean the Patriots. So, it should be a very interesting game as well. Like I said, we'll pick it in Jack's pack. Saints versus Packers. Uh, I stayed away from the, whatever the spread was. Honestly, I kind of got the Saints here. Um, that's going to be a lot of offensive line coming at Jordan Love at once. And there's going to be his most real O-line he'll play probably besides San Fran. Maybe. Dallas, probably. Um, you know, the New Orleans Saints are in a spot where they're kind of going up with house money. Again, they get to get exotic with their blitzes, exotic with their coverages, exotic with anything they have going on. And... Jordan Love has to face the realest D-line. Sorry, not O-line. You have to deal with presumably all season. And, of course, um, you know, we're going to do uh, our absolute best if you're the New Orleans Saints in limiting the big explosives from the Packers. Um, same thing with the Packers. The Saints have won games, um, just had a couple of games because they hit one big explosive. Um, and so if you are the 
Green Bay Packers, you're doing everything you can to keep the game low scoring, to not get outrun sideline to sideline, and to try and take down the New Orleans Saints. But again, I have slight favor to the Saints. The Los Angeles Chargers versus the Minnesota Vikings, two franchises, and these days, two quarterbacks that catches a lot of flack for their franchises and up the two between Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins. Um, I strongly believe that this game is in our Jacks pack, so we won't pick it. But it should be an interesting contest, a high-scoring contest at that. I don't believe in either defense. I don't believe the defenses believe in either defense. Um, and so I think it'll be a very high-scoring game where Herbert and Cousins will get an opportunity to really showcase their abilities to play quarterback. Because, again, I don't think either team will be necessarily a ground-and-pound situation. And also, I don't think either team will be necessarily be stopped by the other's uh, defense. Steelers uh, have an interesting game with the Raiders. This is the game, if Mike Tomlin's going to get this ship corrected, this is the game for him to do it. Uh, Jimmy is playing pretty rough right now for Vegas. Uh, they don't really have a lot going for them. They have a Hunter Renfro problem. Um, Devontae Adams is normal, which means it's not great for Devontae Adams. Um, no real signs of life, like I said, besides Jimmy Garoppolo playing pretty roughly. Uh, defense isn't absolutely terrible, but if uh, Mike Tomlin's going to get him a game under Kenny Pickett's belt and get some benefit or some uh, happiness or some anything with offensive coordinator Matt Canada, this will be the game he does it against the Las Vegas Raiders. But on the flip side, the Las Vegas Raiders have an opportunity to really kind of kickstart their season. Um, to kind of get it over, kind of get a win over um, a good, good program uh, like the Steelers. Like I said, Mike Thomas never had a losing record, so he doesn't know what a losing record feels like. So for the Raiders to go and get a win like that over the Steelers, that would be big for them to kind of kick dust their season and give them confidence in the locker room. Uh, that game is not in our Jacks pack. I don't think the Raiders get it done. I do think the Steelers suffocate them and get a victory. And then lastly, um, the double Monday night football schedule is back. Um, my for friends of mine wasn't really huge fans of it. Kind of feel chaotic. Um, if you have, if you have multiple screens, I guess it could work. Like I had uh, Saints on my TV and then the Steelers Browns on my iPad. So if you had a situation like that, I guess it could work. It's not bad. Uh, but this week, of course, it is Eagles Bucks, Eagles at Bucks, and then Rams at Bengals. Uh, Rams at Bengals could be a very interesting contest. I didn't touch any Jacks pack because it all depends on Joe Burrow plays or not. If he, if he plays, I think the Bengals get him and get on the board for their first win. Uh, even though no one on team guard Pakua. Um, or Nakua Pakua. And then Eagles Bucks. I think Eagles kind of punch on the Buccaneers here. Although the Eagles have a soft spot next secondary in the linebacking core if pressure does not get to the quarterback. But I just think they'll heat up uh, Baker Mayfield for a couple bad decisions. Uh, he's starting to get some expectations, so there's no doubt he'll let whoever it is down. And, and because Baker will let you down, which is what Baker does, right? Um, I just think that the Eagles are going to run away and hide with the game late. Um, again, not in my Jacks pack either one. Um, but I think the Eagles run away and hide with it late. And I think Rams, Bengals, pretty much all depends on if Joe Burrow plays. If you have Burrow and he's 80%, I think the Bengals win the game. If you don't have Burrow, I think the Rams win the game pretty comfortably. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jacks Pack.
Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump into our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack, where we pick five games every week against the spread based on the ESPN app. Um, and so we pick those games, keep track of them all season. Um, this year we're adding the lock. So every week I'm going to pick my favorite number of the week and I'm going to lock it in. Um, so if you're uh, in betting terms, a one-unit bet, a two-unit bet, this will always be my two-unit bet. So we're going to always kind of treat everything else as a one-unit bet. And by unit, I mean whatever you're comfortable betting. So if you're a $10 guy, each one of these bets will be $10. However, if it's a two-unit bet, you just double whatever your standard is. So if you're a $100 bet guy, put $100 each one of these games, but that lock, put $200 on. Um, I'm not really looking at value of the pick. I'm just kind of looking at the pick itself and the number itself. Usually over-unders, uh, usually point spreads about what and what either way. Um, so... Again, uh, to be a professional gambler, we spoke about this a lot last year, but to be a professional gambler, you want to be at about 56% uh, to be profitable as a professional gambler. Um, and so right now, we're 3-2 and two again this week, so we're 6-4. and four. We're sitting at about 60%. Um, so right now, we'd be at a professional gambler's level. We're sitting at 6-4, and four, including 2-0 and oh on our locks. Um, so we're going to try and keep the momentum going this week. And we're going to jump right into the numbers that I am a fan of this week. First off, we have the Ravens minus eight versus the Colts. Take the Ravens. I just think that the Ravens are a team that's going to go out there against the Colts. Uh, they're going to throw a lot of different looks at Anthony Richardson as a young quarterback. Uh, John Harbaugh is going to play some games with Richardson in terms of um, making him see things he's not even saying. I don't think they have the total team speed to keep up with Lamar in that new look offense. Um, I just think that the Ravens will win this game by at least two touchdowns, which more than covers the eight points that they need. So again, Ravens minus eight versus the Colts. Take the Ravens. Patriots minus two and a half uh, at Jets. This is my lock of the week. Take the Patriots. I don't understand how this is only two and a half points. This to me should be six and a half seven and a half points uh spread here i i don't i don't understand the two and a half points at all um new england has always given zach wilson's fits they have uh they have dominated the jets at literally every single turn including especially in the zach wilson era um they've beat the jets uh they've beat the jets so many times in a row at this point um, I just think that there's no way that the Jets are only a field goal, or sorry, less than a field goal, better than the Jets at this point. I just, is it makes absolutely no sense. This line makes no sense. Somebody like they're begging you to take the Patriots here, which is a very odd um, thing for Vegas to do. Since they have those lines where in fact they want to juice one side of it. Um, I think they're trying to juice the Patriots side here. But it's heading minus two and a half for the Patriots. Pats minus two and a half over the Jets. Take the Patriots. Again, it's our lock of the week. Chargers, even in a pick em at Vikings. Take the Chargers. I think Chargers is the better football team. Even on the road, even though they're going to have to travel almost cross country, I just think the Chargers are better. And I, and I look at position group by position group. I think an assessment quarterback, I think, is Justin Herbert's pretty easily. Receiver, I would actually lean Vikings here. Justin Jefferson's the best receiver on the board. But I think two and three go to the Chargers. I just hit the gap 
between one and two is bigger than the gap between two and four, which I think Jordan Addison is probably the fourth best receiver in the game. Um, and I just think Justin Jefferson to Keenan Allen is a much bigger gap than Keenan Allen to Jordan Addison. Um, and so we got the, the edge there at receiver to the Minnesota Vikings. I think O-line is the Chargers, running backs the Chargers, um, tight end groups the Chargers. Defensive name power is also the Chargers. I don't want to break either of those groups down defensively because they both suck. But as far as name power, the Chargers also get that battle as well. I think the Chargers are a better football team. Now, I think the coaching edge uh, goes to Minnesota, so that can make it interesting. But I think talent for talent, the Chargers is just better. In the game where both teams need the win, I think talent's going to win out here. So I've got the Chargers. Bears at Chiefs. Chiefs minus 12 and a half over the Bears. Take the Chiefs. Usually, I stay away from the big spreads. It's just asking for one of those weird backdoor covers. Like, it's 34-17. Or it's 34-20. or 34-20. You know, Chiefs have dominated. Bears got a couple of late scores. But it's 34-20. And then, you know, we get a field goal. For some strange mathematical reason, with like six minutes left in the game, Bears decided to kick a field goal. And now it's 34-23 and you lose the bet. Um, that sort of thing. So, but in this specific game, I legitimately don't think the Bears will score 10. And I don't see how the Bears keep Mahomes under 30. And so a gap of 30 plus to 10 below is at least 20 points, which means a 12 and a half point spread is more than comfortable that I'm willing to take the Chiefs there minus 12 and a half. And then lastly, Buffalo at Washington. Washington plus six and a half. Take Washington. Um, I think Washington's going to keep this game fairly close. I'm not picking them to win all right. I'm not. But I think they're going to keep this game fairly close. It would not shock me if this game was, uh, if this game was you look up and it's 34-31. You know, Bills up, but Washington has the ball trying to tie and or take the lead. It would not shock me with that at all if this game, how the game turned out. Um... I just legitimately think uh, that the Washington Commanders have something going on with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he's finding some stuff in Sam Howell. Um, they're playing really, really good offensive football, and so I think that the Washington Commanders uh, keep it closer than the experts think, obviously. But Buffalo ends up taking the victory. Just to run back through it one more time, we have Colts minus—I mean, sorry—Ravens minus eight over the Colts. Pats minus two and a half over the Jets in our lock of the week. Chargers in a pick'em victory over the Vikings. Chiefs minus 12 and a half over the Bears. Washington plus six and a half over the Buffalo Bills. But up next, we're going to have Jack's hot take, which is about, as usual, Coach Prime. Deion Sanders is the coach of the year. Welcome into our hot take. And, well, you just heard it. Primetime, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders is the coach of the year in college football. And I don't think the voting should be close. First of all, he's already won three times as many games as the team did last year. 
He's done a complete and total roster overhaul, something unforeseen, unforeseen in the NCAA five years ago, unimaginable in the NCAA eight months ago. Um, he's changed the culture of Colorado. It looks like, I mean, just the sights of people willing to go to Boulder, Colorado, because it's not like it's that much better than Jackson, Mississippi. Um, it's not, but the money, the fame, the prowess, and the attention that a power five school can give is a little bit bigger than um, Jackson State was able to provide. But just the culture change as far as what's going on in Colorado with Coach Prime, um, this is overwhelming support he's getting from many people. But on the field, they were playing a dirty team on Saturday. Jay Norvell either coaches that team that way or he's condoned them acting that way. But they were playing a dirty team on Saturday. They cheap shot at Travis Hunter, lacerating his liver. Um, they took a couple shots at Shador. They could look out at the end zone. They had the primetime dance ready for a touchdown. Also a show in the watch, uh, which has become uh, synonymous with Shador. Um, they looked like they were ready to come for heads that game. And ultimately, uh, Colorado pulled it out because Shadur was the best player on the field. Um, but Deion Sanders, to me, Coach Prime is the coach of the year in college football, and it's not close. I will not allow anyone else to vote for anybody else in first place besides Coach Prime. Uh, what he's doing there is an experiment unforeseen and unimaginable in the NCAA 18 months ago. Hell, eight months ago, uh, that would not have been possible, what he's doing right now. Um, and instead, he's putting on an absolute show at Colorado, on the field, off the field. Uh, the attention to Colorado is insane. They have sold out every single football ticket for the rest of the season in Boulder. Um, that is the impact that Deion Sanders is providing. Uh, week one, they were he raised. They basically brought in eighteen million dollars. Uh, week two, Liz uh, against Nebraska was a great game as well. I'm sorry, week two, he brings eighteen million dollars. Week three, he has the highest rated, um, highest stream, the highest stream game ever, and like the fifth highest rated TV football broadcast ever for for ESPN with college football. Uh, this Saturday, he goes up against Oregon, and then the Saturday after that, at 9 a.m. local time, he gets to battle Caleb Williams on USC. So, Prime has an opportunity to be um, the easy fix coach of the year after these next few weeks uh, he's already the fundraiser of the year because after coach Novell uh, talked about Dion's uh, shades um, he the company who sells the line has made 4.5 million dollars off of the sunglasses pre-orders um, so they found their Michael Jordan their worst their absolute cash cow and gold mine but you know huge huge uh, respect for what coach Palmer is doing out in Colorado and I cannot wait to hear him accept his coach of the year award but that is all I have for today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.